Hello. Welcome to Threadings, your newsletter and podcast where we discuss black love studies, feminism, black feminist world making, in fact, and the most beautiful parts of human existence, which are when we treat each other like humans. Those are the things threading me together this week. I'm your host, Ismantu Gwendolyn. I'm so happy to be here. I've read this episode now four times, and I know that for others, three times it's the charm, but for me, it's four times. My number of completion is a good and solid rounded four. I'm gonna read to you this essay that I've had written for weeks now, but I keep meeting catastrophe every time I try to read it. It's called Poverty is an Intentional Genocide. Now, I've never had to work this hard to get an essay out, and I openly admit in the essay that I am scared to say the things that I do have to say in earnest. I'm scared to say these things just like out loud, unmitigated, because when I do, I meet heavy TikTok censorship, and it wouldn't scare me just to lose views, okay? Like, money's not riding on views on TikTok necessarily. What it scares me, what scares me about that is, is every time I get suppressed, there are flags added to my account. I've almost been banned so many times just just for talking, okay? It's the hardest episode I've ever had to get out, distribution-wise, because I think it's the hardest that I go against the state explicitly. And if anything, that has only made me... It's only made me more determined to make sure that I do everything that I need to do to make sure that the people that need this information get it. So I'm going to read this essay, Poverty is an Intentional Genocide. I'm, I'm going to skim over it. It's a longer essay if you want like the real, real, real script of it. You should read it. And even if you don't like scripts, you should get in the habit of reading. Reading is a great discipline to put your mind through. Even if it's a little uncomfortable. I'm going to read this. And then if there are questions, we'll take questions. And then I'm going to attempt to get some sleep. Because... I'm putting a deposit on a tractor tomorrow. Poverty is an intentional genocide. Yes, that is right. I said genocide because it is. Poverty is not an accident and poverty is not inevitable. The conditions of poverty are the result of manufactured scarcity by Western powers. Okay. Poverty is designed to shackle fear to the working class. Poverty has two big functions, which we're going to get into later in the in the essay, but everyone is afraid of dying poor. Everyone. Even people that wouldn't describe themselves as poor. Even people that I wouldn't describe as poor. Everybody is afraid of dying poor. And we all have good reason to be. Poverty and all of its associated deaths, malnutrition, unclean water, homelessness, etc. They are such painful ways to decay into death. It is painful to die of poverty. I always say that poverty snatched the teeth from my mouth because it did. It's actually really nice being on TikTok, having everybody compliment my smile. And it makes me ashamed of the truth, which is that I don't have dental care and my molars are rotting inside of my skull. I tried to write this essay with kinder, coded language and I could not bring myself to publish it. I was so filled with disgust reading my work back to me, reading how much it had softened my tongue out of respect for the empire. What respect does the empire have for me? What respect does the empire show me or show anybody that looks like me in regards to life? 
this place wants me to die and it's not even as if our rulers are like apathetic to our suffering it's not that they're ignorant they actively need us to suffer in the ways that we do in order to continue their lives I am absolutely scared to say this shit out loud and on record. I'm afraid to say everything I have to say in writing. And so what? What exactly is that fear worth? I'm already scared of this world every day. Every day, I wake up and I taste the dread of living like this, watching us all decay. My teeth rot on the inside of my mouth. My lungs rot with the smog of LA. Our oceans rot with plastic. Our soil rots in plastic bags. They sell the earth back to us. Everything is rotting. I am scared all the time. I might as well call a spade a spade. By the time this essay is penned and read, I want to plant a seed of dissent in you. Just one seed it out. Okay? We, especially those of us living in the United States, we have a habit of thinking that everything will magically be okay. That our governments, even if they're negligent at times, They'll, they love us, and they'll figure all these problems out. This is an essay formerly entitled, The State Does Not Love You and It Never Will. The State Does Not Love You and It Never Will. Last time we met to learn and unlearn, we discussed poverty metrics as the West imagines them. If you need a review on poverty metrics, I uploaded a TikTok and an Instagram series about that. We were suppressed on TikTok, but you cannot keep a bad bitch down. You just cannot do that, Okay. In the first episode of the podcast, the very first episode that went up on this series where I harp on this poor people shouldn't have kids ideology, which we're really going to get into at the end of this essay, I look at um, an infographic that has the unlucky 1.6 billion. And I want us to really note the specific word choice here, unlucky. It's a really specific word to use. Unlucky means subject to mis or marked by misfortune. This map in nations having notable or extreme concentrations of multidimensional poverty. It's shaded in with hues of peach, red, and brown. In areas in brown, that's 60 to 80% of the population in multidimensional poverty. And all of the nations experiencing multidimensional poverty are in the continent of Africa, with the sole exception of Afghanistan. And this includes my home country of Sierra Leone. What makes these countries have such bad luck? Why are they so unlucky? When I went to under or when I went to grad school at the University of Chicago, we were taught something called the wealth curse, also known as the poverty paradox. And it's this framework that ideates some sort of like confounding supernatural reason that countries with huge concentrations in national resources end up poor. They just end up that way. And curse, lucky, they have similar roles and coloring the subjects of those sentences, right? Poor Africa, cursed, so unlucky in the fate of the draw, unlucky with being born naturally rich with diamonds and gold. Both denote some sort of sad, unknowable, unchangeable, born into situation. Or if their fingers are pointed at anyone, it's always at corrupt African politicians and never the Western bank, po- the Western powers bankrolling them to betray their people. Learning about the wealth curse in graduate school with my plucky white peers, while I debated it with them as like as if that sort of thing is a real and verifiable fact of life. That was the reason I started to have a glass of wine handy during class, allegedly. It's the reason I could take poverty research so seriously. What is there to research? What is there to research? We know what happened. 
We grasp at straws to explain the economic successes and failures of nation states without breathing the word colonization. We don't breathe the word. With the mental gymnastics one has to perform to excuse the genocides of colonization and slavery, hidden away in the third world, you would think that we in the Western world would be better at critical thought. There is no curse. There's no curse. There's nothing to scratch our heads about as to why poverty exists. These countries are poor because they suffered and they continue to suffer astonishing crimes against humanity by white genocidal landowners. They are subject to rulership from those firmly under the thumb of the empire. When leadership rises up to incite revolution, those leaders are brutally and publicly executed. The reason white folks are landowners in the first place is because they pillaged for it. It's because they raped for it in mass. It's because there was no consequence given on the world stage. So discussing the brutalities of colonization as if it was some way past unfortunate twist of luck is absurd. That is absurd. And I want to put the emphasis here on ongoing because resource extraction out of the continent of Africa far outweighs any aid put in. Resource extraction, the taking from Africa, far outweighs any aid put in, right? Like Michelle Bart Williams said, it's super sweet of you to come with your colored paper in exchange for our gold and our diamonds. The TED talk that she said that in, famous and so good. And it is linked in the actual essay, which you should read because this is a newsletter and a podcast after all. I cannot recommend the TikTok more enough, right? Marcel is a fellow Sierra Leonean stating the obvious, that the world needs Africa, not the other way around. The image of Africa disseminated to the world has poverty as its natural, even God-given state. And every brushstroke of that narrative is intentional. When we think of poverty that just happens, okay, or worse, when we think of poverty as the fault of irresponsible reproduction, It fills the general masses with a contempt that allows the Western world to do anything. They get away with anything. They enslave children for cobalt and cocoa. African descendants across the world still pay for the sins of colonization. And I don't mean that metaphorically. I mean that they physically hand over cash to France to this day. Even down to poverty makeups in the United States, the people that are primarily suffering disproportionately. The people, the people struggling disproportionately are black and brown. There is no economic analysis without historical context. The poor are the colonized peoples of the world and the resulting collateral damage. Notice how they are concentrated in black populations across the globe. We are kept in the demoralizing, unyielding conditions of poverty so that we cannot rise up and take what is ours. Even in the United States, one of the richest countries in the world, a disproportionate amount of the population are black, they're indigenous, or they're other people groups previously or currently subject to violence by the state. It's not a coincidence that the current day poor are made up of those previously subjected to genocide by land theft or genocide by labor exploitation. The system only works so long as the downtrodden of the earth stay that way. This system only works so long as the downtrodden of the earth stay that way. 
And I want us to remember that poverty metrics are entirely made up. They seek to tell a particular narrative. What qualifies as poor was designed to make the Western world look unilaterally wealthy and saintly when we know that there is plenty of economic suffering in the Western world. You do not need the academy to tell you what economic hardship feels like. We know what it is to suffer. Do not let propaganda convince you that you deserve your own suffering. Do not let them convince you that it's not that bad since others have it worse. Do not let these people that prey upon us let you think that your suffering is supernatural, inescapable, or inexplicable. It's not. So when we talk about where does poverty come from and who does poverty benefit? Poverty is not created by poor people having children. Poverty is not even perpetuated by poor people having children. The fault of poverty, the conditions of poverty, in both creation and in maintenance, lie solely with the ruling class. The fault of poverty in both creation and in maintenance lies solely with the ruling class. People enduring poverty, especially any kind of generational poverty, are continuing to survive. That's it, that's all. The worst we are doing is continuing our communities despite the fact that the state actively tries to kill us, and it is active. Poverty is a policy choice, not a moral failing. We are the survivors of the or the collateral damage of white settler capitalism and we're living in the aftermath of the pillaged earth. Poverty is far from accidental and the choices that we have as those enduring poverty, including and especially the choice to procreate, it's not simple. They're not individual choices. They're, cho they're choices that exist in a vacuum or that don't exist in a vacuum. Poverty is not individual circumstance. It is an entire world system. And that system was created for two reasons. Remember, I said we were going to get into the two reasons that poverty was created. To one, ensure that the ruling class can experience extreme luxury and produce extreme lace without delay or consequence by having an endless workforce to exploit. And two, to further subjugate, punish, or eradicate the people white supremacists tried to kill or enslave the first time around, the first time that they tried to colonize the world and succeeded. In some aspects. We still gonna get you. <laughs> in case those assertions are brand new, like brand spanking new, I would recommend reading Franz Fanon's The Wretched of the Earth and How Europe Underdeveloped Africa by Walter Rodney. And if you need help getting access to those texts, I send out these emails. And you can respond to those emails and say, hey, I need this text. And I'll just send it to you. I'll help you get it. We have a no reader left behind policy at Threadings. In fact, I also take donations such that when I have to buy people the text and have it shipped to them, other people in this community support that. I also use the funding that I get when people sign up for the, um, for the paid tier of this podcast. I use that money to buy people books, to buy me books, and to buy other people books. But Substack money stays going into the Substack. So if you want to see a better podcast, if you want more nuanced readings, if you want to read more delicious books... Maybe consider signing up for the paid tier. But in any case, to get back to it, sorry that was a little bit of sponsored by Isma too. <laughs> Poverty is not an unfortunate happenstance of humanity, okay? Not an accident. And also, we know how to solve it, right? Redistributing resources from the top 1%, even leaving them still rich, just taking half would drastically change the lives of the bottom 60%. 
half of the 1% for the bottom 60%. And it wouldn't even make a dent in their unbelievable amounts of wealth. Like they will still be able to live ridiculously lavish lives. And we don't. We don't. Why don't we? Because the conditions of poverty that actively shorten the lifespans of the world's colonized. The rich benefit from that. The rich benefit from the world being compelled by fear of poverty rather than being compelled by true innovation. The conditions of poverty intentionally creep the groups that are most likely to overthrow the wealthy so weak and so fractured that they are unable to defend themselves against the pillaging of their resources. That's why. Poverty prevents the working class from ascending to wealth by keeping them floating above this endless fear the poverty monster can get you at any time and it's terrifying it is a terrifying way to live governmental bodies elected officials and the ultra wealthy do not move a muscle towards reparations and redistribution because they need poverty to keep their seats in the global oligarchy they convince you that these people deserve it they convince there's nothing that you can do anyway so you turn a blind eye while they continue to exact state sanctioned torture and murder in exchange for unspendable amounts of money it is unspendable amounts of money and the propaganda that they use is so effective that it gets us to blame each other the reason poverty is not solved is because the ruling class greats benefits greatly from impoverished people dying painful drawn out entirely preventable deaths okay we die from stress we die from malnourishment from pollution from injury from access to water food education medical care entirely preventable death and suffering is promoted to make sure that we are desperate enough to work for pennies that we're grateful for jobs that pay 100k when that's still pennies to the empire The world still runs on slavery, and the only correct word for enslavement via poverty is genocide. The world still runs on slavery, and the only correct word for enslavement via poverty, either the fear of it and trying to avoid it, or trying to survive poverty when you're in it. Enslavement to your work via keeping you in intentional poverty. It exposes you over and over and over again to premature death. We're going to scroll down in this essay a little bit. We're going to get straight into the Ruthie Wilson Gilmore. Okay. Racism specifically, this is from Ruthie Wilson Gilmore, mother. Racism specifically is the state sanction or extra legal production and exploitation of group differentiated vulnerability to premature death. That's what racism is. We live in racial capitalism. Meaning that who is poor in this world was already defined by who we meant to make the permanent serving class. What kind of person? Where did they come from in this world? What kind of person in this world was made into a permanent, a permanent serving class? Slavery wasn't everybody. And it is not a coincidence that the highest concentrations of multidimensional poverty in today's age, today's age are on the continent of Africa. Poverty in this world has been attached intrinsically 
inextricably to African descendants and to non-white countries that defy the Western state. There is a reason poverty hangs above Africa like a pregnant storm cloud. It is a systematic choice that was designed to be self-sustained and expansive. It is designed to keep these people malnourished, to keep we people malnourished so that we cannot organize around our own resources and be independent. Children under systems where poverty is kept and maintained are designed to make you poorer. Poverty makes us resent our own children for the economic burden of parenthood when parenting does not need to be an economic burden. Why is parenting an economic burden in a world where we have enough food for everybody? Why is parenting an economic burden when grocery stores in the United States throw away good food and lock it in dumpsters so that people can't eat it? Why would being able to parent your children with all of the resources that you need to steward them well be a privilege of the wealthy? When we have enough to go around, that is violent. Under capitalism, the function of children are to keep adults chained to working for the fruits of the earth that were once freely given to us. Capitalism trains us to see children as burdensome economic drain until they can grow up into the next generation of exploitable labor. Depending on where those children are in the world, they don't even wait until those children reach adulthood to begin working them for slave wages. The idea that poverty is randomly occurring, it's a hot lie. Poverty is not a personal failing, okay? And I use words like genocide and eugenics intentionally. Those aren't words I use by accident. I'm not trying to be sensationalist. I'm saying it because it's true. You are exposing a particular group of people, an already downtrodden group of people over and over again to the circumstances of premature death. We do not wish to keep dying. Instead of realizing we are shackled to working ourselves to death, We as a public choose to think that individual birth is the problem. We frame parents as irresponsible and thus responsible for their own subjugation and you are doing the state's work for them for free. I use words like eugenics and genocide because in racial capitalism where particular groups of people are poor and particular groups of people are kept poor and those groups are racialized and restricting access to reproductive rights, which include the right to have a child, is an easy and marketable way to continue genocide on the world stage. I use words like eugenics and genocide intentionally because they're the most accurate way to describe poverty and then the most accurate way to describe the actions and logical conclusions behind the statement poor people shouldn't have kids. Restricting the choice of birth is a primary mode of genocide and the poor is an underclass made up of specific ethnic groups for specific historical reasons you have been got by propaganda. So when I see things like, well, you can have two sides. There was somebody that made me a video tonight and they were kind in it. I'm not saying this is an attack, which is why I don't want to spit you on TikTok because 
if I do stitch you on TikTok, people will attack you. And I don't mean it as an attack. I understand why people think this. Well, you can have two sides. You can think that poverty shouldn't exist and you could think that poor people shouldn't have kids. This is why you can't. This is why you can't. Because anytime you say poor people shouldn't have kids, you're telling them that the conditions of that child's suffering is on them for having a baby and not on the state for creating the conditions of poverty. And more than that, it is a sick joke because the people that have the least access to reproductive rights are the most impoverished in the world. Do you think that they're not stressed about the economic burden of having a baby when they can't feed themselves? Are you under the impression that the majority of the world's poor are going, I can't wait to reproduce in these conditions? Why would you blame their parents when their parents are mourning the suffering of their children? You want to sit here and say, well, you shouldn't have had the baby? Do you know how much psychological damage I incurred as an impoverished child surrounded by benevolently racist white adults saying, you know, your mom really shouldn't have had you. You shouldn't have been born. No, two things cannot be true. I am not going to negotiate with logical conclusions that end in genocide, especially not genocide of the world's poor. The world's poor are facing poverty that are not on them. It's not their fault. Pushing the colonized to actively participate in their own genocide will never result in justice. It will never solve the problem. That's why it is not both and. There is no both and. So I don't think it's idealist to keep my moral critiques of the poor. Because again, that's a moral critique. You shouldn't. You're selfish for. Okay. Does that help the kids? Calling their parents selfish. Does it fix the poverty calling their parents selfish? Do I become better or more compassionate by negotiating the reproductive rights of the least among us. Does this make you better? The thing about my idealism is that I'm getting people fed. I really don't like to reference internet haters because I do get a lot of internet hate thinking that we should organize to solve poverty rather than sit around and call the poor selfish I don't get a lot of internet hate for that and I try not to like clap back too much at haters in general but this was a this was a season of me setting people in their place and it felt very good it felt very good because I'm putting a deposit on a tractor tomorrow to feed my tribe and in doing so in public I have spread so much hope. I have people contacting me from across the continent. Please teach me how to do something like this. Can you expand this program? I want to do something like this. I'm working on it. There are some things that I'll do very loud and there is a lot of things that I can't do very loud. Even this, even, even just saying this, having to fight tooth and nail and record this over and over again to get this podcast episode out. 
The reason that I don't want either or is because I'm not going to negotiate on the world that I wish to see. It's not negotiable for me. I am not going to have a world where people judge the worst of us, the worst, the worst conditions on the morality of the individual. I want us to look at people suffering under the worst conditions and judge the morality of the state. If you are going to have judgments, the both and should be, we as individuals should be helping each other solve poverty. And the state is incredibly selfish for allowing the 1% to hoard so much wealth that it creates extreme poverty. How selfish it is of them to create propaganda that makes us view children primarily as economic burdens. How could they burn up the world while we starve down here. That's the kind of selfishness critiques that I want to see. I'm going to work to create a world where parents have safe conditions to steward their children well. I am going to use my politic and my platform to create a world where children are the most cherished members of society rather than those among the most oppressed. I keep being told that I am too idealistic. How do you negotiate with genocide? How long am I supposed to wait? I am impatient. I might be idealistic, but I do not like to wait around. I'm hungry. And oppressed people will eat until they are full. If you liked this episode, I invite you to tune in for the next one. It's happening tomorrow because I said I wanted all these episodes out by February 10th. So it's a triple feature. The next episode is entitled, My Politic is a Lie and She Will Kill Me because she will. (laughs) I hope the work of your day passes through your hands with ease. Until next time.